So we <laughs> we have some guest speakers again, and uh, I've known Brian for actually quite a long time, right? Has it been that long? I have wow. heard your name for a decade. I'm so excited to meet you. That's what I said about your husband. Hi. Hi. Yes. And you, we've never met, and he's never met my wife. I know. So, say hi to Nancy. Hi. Wow, isn't that crazy? So I didn't make him up, and he didn't make me up. <laughs> we're, we're real people. Although, um, well, Heller de Leon. I mean, hey, look at that. The only thing that Brian did that I really wasn't super happy with is he ended up going to Fuller Seminary instead of Western. So I just thought, you know, he flipped a coin and Fuller it was. You know, anyways, it's okay. I'm just playing. So if you looked at your Facebook page, I put it a week ago, what was going on? No, I'm just kidding. I put it a number of hours ago. <laughs> so I know you guys are instantaneous. As soon as there's a Facebook message, you're like right there. Right? No, not really. All right, we've got some more up there. Okay, we have more. Okay, let's not do any more of these till later so that we can... Nancy, we're, we're moving along. Don't, don't stress. Notice I kept... This blocking the clock so Nancy can't see it. It'll drive her crazy. Um, so uh, I met Brian at ACT, Area Congregations Together. Actually, I guess I should podcasting. So I, I met, are we on, Michael? Thank you. So I met Brian 10 years ago, apparently. Time flies. <laughs> At, at area congregations together where we were community activists together, right? Um, and we had a common charge, and that charge uh, at that time for Brian and myself was to try to stop the violence, do our part in stopping the violence, uh, gang violence uh, more specifically here in Sacramento. And so we helped to bring ceasefire into, into Sacramento. That's how we got to know each other. And Brian was kind enough to allow me to go to Philadelphia. You remember that? That was nice to be trained. I think I was the only conservative there amongst several hundred <laughs> people that didn't vote the same way I did. But it was great. I, I, I infiltrated the group, and we all got along great. And I also got to stand in Philadelphia where Rocky stood on the top of the steps and his, his bronze tennis, Converse tennis shoes were right up there. And I could just hear it, it, it was fun, it was a good thing. Thank you, I don't know if I ever thanked you properly, but that was, that was a wonderful trip. Yeah, from the Rocky movies. He was actually there and I shook his hand. Um, and I ate Philly cheesesteak where he was. Yeah, yeah, he was there. So, um, oh, and um, so I, I've never met Christy. So now, but go back to Brian. Brian is now transformed into the greenhouse. The greenhouse. Okay, I want to call it project for some reason, but it's Christian not. Christian Community Development Center. And uh, over by Northgate and North Arden Garden, yeah, right there by uh, where the river comes, yeah. 
That's where we had our fireworks booth for Gap down there. Got to know it very well for a week. So um, I'll, he'll, he'll be talking about that. And Chrissy's been involved in InterVarsity for how long? 20 years? Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Uh, 20 years. We probably, we go to Ivy every time there's Ivy. When the first time we went? Urbana. We went to Urbana. When did we go? I know, but when's the first time? We went to Champagne, Urbana. 2000. You were there and we missed each other? Yeah, there was 24,000 people there, I think, at that time. So, um, so they both came, so it's great. So they're going to share. This is going to be a continuation of kind of, sort of. We're trying to figure out what they should talk about, talk about, and there was just a wide variety of stuff. But the fact is, God and the Spirit just is, works wonderful things, is they have such a, uh, a great story to share about their lives and their family and what, how their careers have intersect, intersected with their vocation and their calling. And it just so happens we've been studying that the last couple of weeks. And I know you're not done with that topic. You love it so much because there's this huge question mark in each of your minds that says, Lord, what are you going to do with me? What should I do? How, how am I going to serve? Um, and they're going to give you yet some other clues. Real life. So we're not talking theory here. We're talking walking the walk, stepping step by step, investing the money, and stepping out in faith and saying, okay, God, you got this. We're going to work in the kingdom. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to hear the story because I don't know the whole story. So it'll, it'll be very interesting to find out. So I like, like having a husband-wife team. We don't get that very often, do we? We're doing, uh, not Nancy and I being uh, the exception there. So why don't you guys come on up? And we'll get started. We're not doing an icebreaker or anything, are we, Nancy? Oh, none. Oh, you did an icebreaker? All right, my bad. You missed it. So here, you're going to take this spot. Here, there's a chair for one of you. So it's a mic that doesn't amplify the sound of my voice, but I'm being recorded. You are okay, around like, the world. Hi, world. Um, I'm Brian. This is Christy. Um, it's really great. You guys have the best seats in the house, by the way. I just look so comfortable. Maybe we might. Maybe we'll switch later. You guys will come up here and talk, and then we'll switch. Um, I just want to say it's, it's really great to be here. Number one, because I've been hearing about Remedy literally for 10 years, and we've been wanting to come down. So none of y'all, yeah, we're a little late, but we got here. Um, right, 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 right. Um, it's also great to just come in on a, uh, what's tonight, Tuesday night, 
It's I've already been to Oakland and back this morning. Um, Christy's had a full day of ministry. Our kids, you know, got fed and bathed, and we got a babysitter, and to come into worship. So thank you for leading us in worship, because I just was like, man, that really ministered to me, and um, I was just rich. I was really rich. So even God was kind of reminding me of some things that I want to share tonight. But we, we do. Like Randall said, we just really want to be real with you guys. We don't come with, like, three-point sermon, any of that stuff. We're just, hey, if, if you want to hear about our journey of trying to discern what is God saying to us and how is Jesus inviting us in each step of our life and taking what we feel has been from some kind of crazy risks in following Jesus, that's what we want to do. Because we know where you guys are too, right? You're at that same place. What is God saying to me? What's that next step of faith? Um, I was telling Christy we were just kind of taking a breather in the car. That's what you do. When you're married, you're like, oh, it's like a date night. We'd like hang out in the car on the way down. From <laughs> We live kind of close to Midtown. We're in like Tahoe Park. It's like a half an hour. Like, oh, we could get you catch up. How was your day? How was your day? Uh, so we, we even parked out in the front and we're like, oh, let's just take a breath. Let's just take a breather, you know? Right, right, right. We're going like, to like get a shake on the way home. Consider it a date night. Right. Um, they're they're uh, nine, nine and four. I sent some pictures down over text. I don't know if it worked. So we got to go to, our family got to go to Guatemala this past summer for like a mini sabbatical. So this is actually the ruins of an old um, convent that we just thought was really fun. This is Carolina and Anna. So Lena's four and a half and Anna's nine. So that's us in front of a, a church posing and looking cute. So this is our extended family. Um, this is Christy's parents on the upper, your right. Um, Lolo and Lola, and then my mom's right there in the middle, and then that's my nephew on the lower right is Amos, and then another um, kind of cousin is Amelia, so just our extended family. Um, next picture. Might be it. Oh, this is us, and this is like this famous arch in Guatemala. Um, the sun on it, and this is an, it's actually in Antigua, just kind of this iconic picture. Yeah. Christy's like, I always got to Photoshop that car out of the middle. Like, oh, so anybody's good at, anybody's better good at Photoshop. Yeah, we were like, we literally ran out. We're like, okay, take the picture. Take the picture. Okay. Okay, next, uh, next picture. That's it. Okay. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. So those are our little ones. Um, Anna's our reader. Lena's our gymnast. Um, they're, they're a delight to us. Um, but anyways, as Christian and I were just sitting in the car, something that just struck me is um, this sense of God continuing to ask for all of us, right? And so there's been each, like, a step in the journey, and the next step is, like, God asking for more of us and God asking for more of us, right? And it's just this kind of continual place of surrender to the will of Jesus, which can be really scary. And there's these things you're like, oh, you know, this feels really safe and secure over here, and and what's that going to look like, that next step? And I'm kind of in that place right now. I'm, 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 I'm kind of in this place of discerning um, a sense of God's call. And it's the same as when I was 19, trying to figure out what is God inviting me into. It feels very scary, right? But I know God's character. I know his goodness. I know his faithfulness, right? And so, anyways, we just want to speak really authentically um, from that place. So, hope that's okay. Any other opening comments you want to say? Do you want to tell a little bit about yourself and just do some introductions? Sure. Um, my name is Christy, and 
Um, I am from Vallejo, California, not too far away. My family still lives there. Um, I was born in the Philippines, and I came here when I was 10 months old. Um, my, my dad left. I was born, and he, did, he left seven days after I was born to come to the States because he got his visa to come to America, and you don't give that up. And then my mom and I followed about 10 months uh, after that. Grew up in Vallejo, um, went to school at UC Berkeley, went to college, and I got involved with Christian ministry there. My parents were like, don't go crazy in Berkeley. You're going to lose your faith. Find a Christian fellowship. I'm like, okay. So um, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church, and I um, found InterVarsity, or actually they found me. They had like student leaders running around, dropping cookies off at my dorm, and um, I was hooked. Free cookies, right? <laughs> and an awesome Bible study that was happening um, in the dorms. So I can share a little bit of my story later. Um, but yeah, I, I, I said God, I said yes to God to uh, join this fellowship. Like he kept asking for more and I kept kind of figuring out if I should say yes. And 19 years later, still working with InterVarsity. Again, I'll share that a little bit more later. Could I just ask a, a question and just kind of see I'm so curious. This remedy, I've heard about it, was kind of confused at what it was. Um, I saw the shirt. There's shirts for it. But how old is everyone in the group? Can you just approximately, you can just say. 19 to Or like, how about just say your age? Okay. You don't have to, but. I'm 29. Oh, yeah. Really yeah, 29 plus tax. <laughs> 25. 25. <laughs> 32. 32. Uh, 24. 24. Yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Okay. 22. 35. Okay, 22. That's so helpful. 24 in the back. Tech guy. So you're adjusting all of your messages based on, okay, the, al the algorithm, the algorithm set. Um, so I, just as Randall was talking about how he and I first got to know each other, and it's going to be kind of a segue, um, is yeah, it was it was this intervention program. There was a, a group of youth pastors that I was actually engaging with, and they're all youth pastors serving kids, uh, mostly in low-income communities, um, with lot you know just stuff going on, right? So they're seeing kids coming in their program, high high levels of abuse, um, you know, addiction, teen pregnancy stuff that's also going on in the suburbs. Just let's just say it, right? It's happening everywhere. Um, but these youth groups of youth pastors were really concerned about it, and then they were just seeing um, the influence of gangs, right? Kind of across the way. And then um, gangs involved not only with, with uh, violence, but also around sex trafficking and just some really ugly stuff going on. And so uh, we were part of this campaign to actually uh, reduce youth violence. So there's this alarming numbers of, of kids and young people that were being um, killed in Sacramento. And so we really wanted to make this not just an isolated problem, but to really bring the attention of the church and elected officials to this issue, right? So we did this big, we called it like a big community action. We had the news there. We had all these pastors and youth pastors speaking and they're like, look, this is an issue for Sacramento. Sacramento needs to grapple with the fact that we have young people dying 
right? So we had like 500 people come out to this event and all of a sudden it's like front news. Like, oh, there's a violence problem in Sacramento. Like, there's like kids getting killed. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just localized pain, right? It's actually now everybody's wrestling with that. And so as a, a number of years later, we started realizing that there were some really great strategies that pastors were leading that were reducing violence that had come out of Boston. So we said, oh, we want to bring this to, to Sacramento. They were doing some work in the Bay Area. We took a van of pastors and some elected officials down there to say, how can we bring this to Sacramento? And we brought it up. We got some funding from some different places. We got the city on board and we did a pilot project of it. And the, the really innovative thing about it was you're bringing together like, I mean, we're like with the police, like these are the tough guys that are just used to cracking heads, right? So you're bringing them, the gang task force guys, and you're bringing pastors together and service providers, right? So, you, so you're kind of, and then you're finding like the guys that are the, um, they would call them like what the, the, the trigger guy, like the guys that are doing the shooting, the shot callers, thank you. So they do all this analysis of police data, right? And you're like, oh, so actually 80% uh, of the violence in these certain communities is being directed and guided by like 10, 15 individuals. Oh, that's a smaller problem, right? So then you actually get those guys and you bring them into a room, not by yourself, right? But with the police there and right service providers, right? And you kind of get the like the tough talk from the police, like, hey, we we here's your file, here's your file, right? We know all about you. We know all of your associates. We could take you down right now, right? But we believe that you can have a second chance, right? And so then the pastors come up and the pastors are saying things like, you have worth. You are a leader. You are loved by God. You could have a great future. Will you, will you join, right? Will you step away from the violence? And if you do, we also have some jobs set up for you. We have some, a pathway out of this, right? Crazy. And, and like, not everybody takes it, but a significant number do and did. And there's still some of these young men that I know that I like run into like the local butcher or like the local meat, the guy, place where we get our meat, like Momo's Meat Market. He's got a guy from that program that's still like working in the back that's like left that life, is like just doing barbecue and has a kid and he's doing great, right? Or um, a pastor that I ran into later hired one of these young men to like just help him do maintenance in a, in a gym that he was cleaning. This pastor had a part-time job cleaning a gym and he hired this guy and this kid's still doing great, right? Um, the program, of course, down the road gets defunded or the, actually the gang task force got defunded. And so, you know, they're trying to revive as certain aspects of it. Um, but why I talk about that is because I really talk about the kingdom of God, right? So what is God doing everywhere? So we all know that God is just not only at work inside the four walls of the church, right? So God is at work everywhere. And what is evidence of God's activity? Right. And, and for me, some of the evidence of God's activity wasn't just the transformation in those young men and those we call them call ins. It was even with the police to have this thought that these guys that all they want to do is just lock them up. And they should. I mean, some of these guys were about to do really bad things or had to do bad things. But even for the police to think about maybe a different path for this kid and, and kids that they're like, this kid is he's a thug. He's never going to go anywhere. We're going to write him off. He's going to spend the rest of his life in jail to like actually change that, right? And have a mentality of perhaps a second chance, perhaps a second chance. Um, so that's the stuff that I get really excited about. Um, I currently work as the executive director. It's a community development um, center in where Randall talked about this really unique neighborhood in North Sacramento, um, three low-income apartment complexes, really diverse, like 12, 13 different nationalities just in this one square block. 
and 500 kids, over 500 kids in one square block. <laughs> That's the highest concentration of kids in a six county uh, radius. Um, so just kids everywhere, Russian kids, Hmong kids, Latino kids, African-American kids everywhere. <laughs> so we serve like 80 to 90 kids a week, seven different programs from first grade through teens. We have teens meeting with their elected officials. We have teens working with the younger kids. We have parents helping lead outreaches. I mean, it's this incredible ministry. Kids coming to Christ. It's really this beautiful thing. And it's um, it's really challenging, too. But for me, I'm like, man, God is seriously at work in this neighborhood, like seriously at work in this neighborhood. And and it has nothing to do with the four walls of the church. All right, so we have seven different churches that partner with us. We have people from different churches that serve on our board, people from different churches serving in the neighborhood, but it's about God's kingdom. It's about building God's kingdom. So God is at work. God is moving in this neighborhood, and it's just seeing evidence of that, right? Seeing evidence of that. I just think for you guys, you know, in your sense of call, and, and you know, you're, you're, are you the teacher? Right? I mean, wherever you find yourself placed— Right? What, what is God doing? Right? And, and the, the place where God's will is being done is evidence of the kingdom. The places where God's nature, his care, his love is being made manifest is evidence of God's activity. Right? And sometimes for us, it's A, seeing it, and then B, we talk about this word evangelism a lot. Sometimes it's just pointing out to somebody else, you know, God's really at work here. Do you see the God's at work? Do you notice what's happening here? And it's just having eyes to see that. And I think for me, it was about getting my eyes trained. I don't know about you guys, but I had, um, I just had very, I had eyes that were just trained in a different way. So did anybody grow up, grow up in a church that was a little bit like, maybe more on like the judgmental side or turn and burn kind of church? Okay, I was, maybe that was just me. Like, I, I like, I like, I like came to Christ literally. I was like at this camp in eighth grade and, and like the, the speaker just described hell so vividly we're like, you're in heaven, like, like, what was it like? You can't, I, don't, I think he's made this up, but like, oh, you're in heaven, people, are, but, but like, you can see hell, and like, this is what, everybody's in torment in hell, and so you're like in heaven, and you're all great, but then everybody's down in hell, and he described it super vividly. I'm like, I do not want to go there. That sounds so bad, right? So, man, he got me. Like, I was crying, and I went to the front, and all that stuff, and he, you know, he got me. And um, so, like, my, my early year faith was like, like, not like, Jesus loves you, not like forgiveness. It was like escaping hell, right? So I had an escaping hell Christianity faith, right? But after a while, I, you, you know, I couldn't keep up. Right? I, couldn't, I couldn't be good enough. I couldn't run from hell fast enough. You know, hell, hell caught up with me eventually, right? Um, and, but that was my lens. That was, that was a lens, and it was very much like, if you're not in church, man, you're, you're wicked. If you're not in church, if you're not doing what I'm doing, you know, God doesn't even care about you. If you're not, right? You know, I remember going to a party one time, went to a party and uh, a friend of mine, his dad was actually the old president of World Vision. Seipel was his last name. Bob Seipel, if you know that name. Yeah. So that that family went to my church. So his son's at a party smoking a cigarette. It's one of my friends. I know. Can you imagine? Seriously? No, no. Hell on the stick right there. Right. And so so I go up to this kid and I like. I literally grab the cigarette out of his mouth. I throw it on the ground and I stamp it out, right? Like I'm, I'm sharing God through that way. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm the only person that like had this. Yeah, yeah, high school, right? Yeah, yeah. It was in the 80s actually. Thanks. Yeah, the 80s. 
once you were born in the 80s. So, you know, it, um, and I think what that produced in me, and I'm not the only person I know that has kind of a legalistic church upbringing. So you, you might, maybe, maybe we got through that stuff in our, in the 80s. We got rid of that. Maybe not. You've been in a few of them. All right, all right. We don't stay at those churches anymore. All right. I didn't know I had a choice. I'm like, I got to stick here. Anyway. I was. When were you born? What year were you born? Yep. I graduated in 93 from high school. We won't play that game, though. It's not a fun game. Nobody wins that game. So... I think what that produced in me, and we're just being honest here, guys, right? Like, we, we didn't want to come down and, like, you know, we can, I can give you a three-point sermon if you want, but we just really want to be real, right? This is a group you guys are about being authentic. You guys, you guys are, want what's authentic, right? So I'm just being real. So I think what that produced in me was very much a, um, a Christianity that had a lot of, uh, you know, I'm superior. You know, I know the truth. You don't know the truth. And I'm better than you and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, lo and behold, that really broke pretty quickly for me, right? So... I didn't get into the college of my choice. I, you know, didn't get some things I was hoping for in terms of academics or, or athletics. You know, my parents got divorced when I was a freshman in, in college. Like my life just fell apart. Like I just disintegrated. And all that stuff that I built up about, I have to be this type of person, right? To kind of stay in God's grace, to stay in God's favor, just, just melted away, right? And so I'm just broken. I'm incredibly broken. And that's the point where I started to really understand grace. And the love of Christ. Because all of a sudden I had these Christians, even though I was like angry and I was mean, I was not a really good person. I just had these Christians that kept on coming around and, and hanging out with me. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm a jerk. You don't want to be around me. And they just kept on inviting me over and having dinner and including me. And, and pretty soon I was part of this really loving Christian community in college. And it was through InterVarsity. And InterVarsity was training folks to kind of have this loving you know missionary kind of mentality on campus and so some of these folks really believe that that god really loved people and so they came after me um, and i really understood really for the first time um, about grace and about forgiveness um, and then pretty soon it, it got deep real quick right because then all of a sudden i'm like oh god's god's actually real and um he really loves me and he really loves other people but he's not playing around like he he doesn't want just like a little bit of Brian, right? He doesn't just want a little bit. Like he really wants all of me. And so just through the Holy Spirit, really, I was just getting into the word. I just felt God keep on asking me to just give these things over to him. Give these things over to him. Give these things over to him. And pretty soon it came down to my vocation. And dis despite all my tumultuous upbringing, um, we were like a math and science family. My dad actually worked at J JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I was on a track. I was a mechanical engineering student. I was on track. You know, you graduate with a mechanical engineering degree, like you're pretty much guaranteed a really nice job. And I just felt like, number one, I wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't fulfilling me. But God was really asking me to, to trust him in a very radical way. And um, I was really terrified. And so I don't know if you, any of you guys have faced this, but when it comes down to like, God calling you around issues of like, am I going to be able to have a paycheck? Uh, am I going to be able to provide for my family if, it's, if I don't go this way, right? It's like we have the sense that, okay, this is the one, this plank is God's provision, right? It's super narrow. And if I deviate that from any little bit, it's over. Like I'm done. 
God's not going to provide for me, right? So you're like, you spend our lives just teetering on this little plank. Man, that is exhausting. You feel me a little bit? Right? Well, God's grace is quite expansive, right? And God kind of wanted me to know that, and I fell off my plank pretty quickly, and then I'm like, I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling, and lo and behold, like, you know, God was there. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know he's going to be there. Um, but a passage that God used to really speak to me, and it came up again and again, and it's a familiar one to you guys, but I just wanted to read it and talk to you a little bit about it, and I'll hand it over to Christy after that. It's uh, Matthew chapter 6, Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And I will read this, and I'll talk a little bit about it. It's familiar to you. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Did you say amen? Did you say amen to that? We're just going to go home. That's it, right? Um, I mean, I, I was consumed with worry. Consumed with, have you ever been consumed with worry? Be honest, raise your hand. We've got some hands. We've been consumed with worry. Ooh, man, when you're trying to figure out what, where am I going? What am I going to do? It's, because there's so many choices, right? It's, it's, it's exhausting. It's consuming. Um, but it says in the Bible, it doesn't add another uh, it doesn't add anything to our life. Each day has enough troubles of, own, of its own. And the passage that really struck me and, and that God brought up again and again is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you as well. Because he knows that we need these things, right? He knows that we need food and clothing and shelter and community and love and protection and support and our dreams to be fulfilled and we have ambitions, we want to use our leadership, God knows all those things, right? But when any of those things is primary, we're lost. So we're spending our lives pursuing X and not the kingdom. It, we will end up in a place of not being fulfilled, right? And feeling quite lost. That's what I was doing, right? But if we're pursuing the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things come around us as well, right? And that was a hard decision to make because I started to realize that what really mattered to God more than anything else was loving him and loving other people, period. That was it. So I started to look at my life through that lens. 
I started to say crazy things like, God, all I want to be about is loving you and loving other people. And whatever that means is whatever that means. So, lo and behold, they just kept on opening these doors and these choices, right? I'm like, okay, is this, is this God's kingdom? Is this pursuing God? Is this loving other people? I wasn't very good at loving people. In case you heard that earlier, when you grow up in a church like that, you're, you're not really good at loving other people. So I had a lot of learning to do. I was not very good at loving people. That was another rude awakening. But I just kept on pursuing that, right, and just kind of leaning into that. Um, and then, I mean, I don't want to go through all the details of it, but fast forward 20 years, I, I've had the great opportunity to serve in multiple different ministries. I've been able to see people come to know Jesus. I've seen Christians freed from, um, you know, being enslaved to, to lies and to fear. Um, God's even, as Reynolds mentioned, I, I really felt led actually to get into like kind of a activism role a little bit in terms of like really f struggle for for God's justice for people and so I even worked for an organization we got we got legislation passed that really protected kids that were in the juvenile justice system um, I got legislation passed that that helped um, actually undocumented people that were having their cars towed like rapaciously kind of in some really unfair ways um, so and that's all just been through these step-by-step -step obedience and and through all that you know, Christy and I have been both following Jesus. Christy thought she was going to be a business major and drive an Audi A4 by the time she was 25. Yeah, she had it all picked out. <laughs> Through all that, and we look back, and we're like, man, we have never wanted for anything. We've never been, never been laid off. Never wanted for enough. You know, we have enough. We were able to purchase a home. We have two beautiful kids. You know, we're not loaded, we're not, you know, but we have enough. And um, I just see that. I just see that, you know. And, and again, again, I come from a divorced family. I, I, I didn't think I was ever going to get married, honestly. I didn't think I was ever going to be able to have kids because my family, my family origin is, uh, see, Christy can attest to that too. It's crazy. It's crazy. But even in that, I'm like, okay, God, I'm not going to focus on how jacked up my family is. I'm going to focus on you and believe in your healing, right, in your redemption, and all these things have been added to me as well, right? And I didn't, like I, it wasn't like a rush, like a roulette, right? Okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to spin the, the, the roulette wheel, and God's going to give me all these goodies, right? It wasn't that. It was really like, I just have to let go of this other stuff. I remember, I mean, you guys are all struggling, like, am I going to get married? Am I going to meet the person that I, you know, my dreams, all that stuff? I had to really release to Jesus. I'm being really honest right now, right? I had to really release to Jesus, God, I, I might just be single my whole life. I might not find that person, and I'm going to just trust in you, and I'm going to be, and I wept. I remember weeping. I remember mourning that, right, giving that over to him, that dream, and really putting it in his hands. And then he brought me Christy a number of years later. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys in that. And, um, you know, we're trying to figure it out. What does it look like to both be in full-time ministry and raise kids? It's an ongoing journey. Um, it hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been, um, you know, pie in the sky, Pollyanna, everyday wonderful. Um, but God's been incredibly faithful to us. And I think that we've experienced a, a deep sense of joy and satisfaction. Um, and sometimes we even get to like minister together like tonight, which is fun. So I'm going to have to Christy. Any questions? Oh, any questions?
when when you when you were in college you were y- you were you were feeling like just super into it and then religiously you were sort of uh you were you were sort of angry uh-huh that was sort of like me in junior high yeah uh-huh angry um not very kid friendly um [laughs] yeah can- can i [laughs] can I just can I just rant really like go into my pants [laughs] [laughs] but I'm about [laughs] the point was I was I was confused uh-huh and but I I bet I bet [noise] cristian so uh-huh I'm like but but after [noise] day end ended I was good [noise] and then I I was like huh oh shit why was I a jerk [laughs] yeah [laughs] [laughs] yeah like It was fair though right yeah [laughs] yeah [laughs] [laughs] not [inaudible 2:14:50.92] [noise] [laughs] it was just one of those like Nothing wrong with that [laughs] [noise] that was a holy moment right there yeah yeah [laughs] yeah [laughs] [noise] uh-huh [noise] yeah he's like uh yeah yeah [laughs] 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 not [noise] [laughs] 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 this is always a joke they all give me shit because I am the jerk uh-huh [laughs] they just like send me to their house and like beat me [laughs] and then [laughs] [laughs] you [laughs] want to try to win here and it's like no I'm gonna stop now [laughs] yeah [laughs] yeah [laughs] [laughs] [noise] yeah 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 [laughs] Cucumber has always been my favorite vegetable [laughs] Some people really hate it mhm [inaudible 2:15:38.70] [noise] I don't know [noise] I don't hate it I just
I grew up going to church. I went to, uh, again, an Assemblies of God church and um, a Catholic school. So if you can imagine that, see, there's some laughing. I had a uniform for 12 years. So when I got to college, I was like, oh my God, free dress every day. Um, um, I had nuns and, you know, different uh, priests teaching me, you know, and some lay teachers. And then I would have, you know, people speaking in tongues on Sunday. So it was quite, it was quite the upbringing. It was very different. Um, and I got to college. I was one of those students in high school that partied a lot on Saturday, and I knew there was going to be an altar call on Sunday. So I was good, right? Because <laughs> uh, there's there's always someone. <laughs> and after a while, I just, you know, I kind of got tired of that. I felt guilty, uh, kind of, you know, using, abusing God. And I got to college, and I, again, this community found me, or I found them. God put us together. Um, this Christian community that was really showing me scripture and how awesome it was for the very first time. I mean, I knew that from sermons, you know, like you, you hear the sermons at church or from your youth group if you grew up going to church. But there was something about this Christian community and how they, again, like Brian, kept pursuing me, kept, you know, calling and inviting me to different things. Um, and we got to study scripture together, together with Bible studies on campus. And I just, I just couldn't believe how amazing God was. You know, like when you hear a really good sermon or when you're in a really amazing Bible study or you, maybe you hear the voice of God or something and you know, oh, man, that's God really talking to me. He's really trying to make himself known. I had that experience in college and um, I just I couldn't get enough of it. So I was a leader in our in our chapter, you know, kind of like I'm sure the folks here. And um, by the time it was time to graduate, I had to make the decision, did I want that Audi A4 silver, uh, you know, business suit, tennis shoes, walking, to, you know, on my commute, or was God inviting me to something else, into something more? And so, you know, I'm 21, that's pretty young, and my parents um, are immigrants from the Philippines, they're helping to pay for college, they're expecting their daughter to make a ton of money to help pay them back and maybe pay for them in their old age, right? to pay for my younger brother who's 11 years younger than me. Um, and, you know, same parents, no kids in between. And uh, they wanted me to help pay for that. And so I remember coming up to my parents, going up, to tiptoeing up to their room, and I had to have the conversation. I was graduating May, 1998 was graduation. And it was April, I waited way too long to tell them what I wanted to do. Maybe it was April 30th, I don't even know. But I had that conversation with them. Again, I was 21, but I felt like I was 10 telling my parents, basically, I don't think I want to do what you want me to do. I think I'm hearing God call me into something else. And I had prepared. I got my scripture ready. I had my Bible passage. It was Luke 5, that passage where, you know, they're fishing all night, and Jesus tells uh, Peter and the crew to, to put out into deeper water for a catch. And I felt like God's invitation to me was, why don't you put out to deeper water? It's a scarier place and see what I'm going to do. I thought, I can't. You know, my parents are expecting all of these things. But I, I went upstairs and I had the conversation with them. They were crying. I was crying. I had my Bible <laughs> open up to the page. And it was this, you know, long, drawn out conversation. I felt like I was 10 years old asking them to you know, to do something else like sleep at a friend's house or something, you know, very 
<laughs> something that, you know, I was very young to ask or too young to ask. Um, I ended up doing it. Um, they thought I was crazy. They talked to my pastor and they said, what is wrong with our daughter? I can't believe that she's throwing her life away and doing this and, you know, joining the ministry. And my pastor replies, um, well, she's doing this because you raised her right. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> right? Right? And that was a, in a Filipino pastor, too, at our home church. So that, that, that passage, Luke 5, has been this powerful passage for me. And I don't know about you guys, but again, at the varied ages that you guys are, I was 21. Um, I had heard from people older than me that there were going to be these, these life passages, you know, in Scripture that God would give you passages that maybe you just keep turning back to at these different points in time and maybe you've heard for you know from God already or maybe there's passages that stick in your mind and you realize oh yeah that's the passage for me but for me it was Luke 5 um, and I got into this work with college students and it's been you know the greatest joy to walk with 18 to mm, 24 year olds depending on what school you're working with, um, and to see them, one, get their faith like really enlivened, right, really emboldened while they're in college for other people come to faith for the first time, but then to also walk with them at maybe the stage where some of you guys are at to figure out what is God calling me to? What is this next place that he wants me to enter into? I know you guys were talking about calling and vocation, but what I love telling my students is, there's probably two kinds of, there are two kinds of calling. You have your big C calling, and that is to follow Jesus, right? You come to faith, you give your life to, you give your life to Christ, um, and your whole life is going to be about um, following him. That's the big C calling is following him, right? And obviously inviting people into that faith too. But that little C calling is, what is a specific space? What's that specific place where God's going to call me into to live out that big C calling. Does that make sense? So for Brian, it was, for both of us, our first seven years, um, he was in InterVarsity for seven years. You know, I've been in InterVarsity longer. We met at Urbana, started dating after Urbana. Urbana. Yeah, it's a good place to meet people. <laughs> yes, it was still there. It was actually still at Urbana. So, um, I just got... I got distracted about that part. <laughs> we got married. We, we started. I know, I'm very distracted. I know you're so distracting. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting for me as I hear about like where different folks are at in age and stage. And, you know, some folks are just graduating. Some folks are probably contemplating what does it mean to follow Jesus in this next place? Um, it's that's kind of been the journey for us to try to figure out what is this little C calling look like? at every phase that we're in, right? And that's the conversations that I continue to have with college students. So um, I'm curious for you guys, have you been in that spot where you've gotten this kind of life life verse or a verse that you may think, I think God is, with this verse, is maybe inviting me into something. I see some, some yeses. I'm so curious to hear what some of those verses are or how you're hearing from God about where he's calling you into. I was praying, and I love this song. I don't know if you guys know what One Eagle sings. 
It's so beautiful. And I didn't know where it was in the Bible. And I didn't look it up or anything, but I was just praying in my soul. And Dustin's like, okay. So I open it up and I like look at it and, and it's the curse. Yeah. Yep. And um, this has happened like more than once. Yeah. And so it, it's um, the issues well in the shelter of the Most High. Mm-hmm. He'll rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So it'll say in the Lord, He is my refuge, my rock, and He is the. Yeah. And it, and it just goes on to talk about how, you know, we may be ensnared or, or, or basically He will always protect you and He will guard you with His angels. Mm-hmm. He will command them to mm-hmm. guard you. And um, it was really amazing because I actually got to perform this song um, for like this dinner and I just was telling, they, they probably, it was like not a Christian thing, so they were probably wondering what <laughs> am I doing. Awesome. But I just, I just started telling them that Jesus loves them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't tell me anything, you know. Yeah. But they knew that I was a Christian. It's it was basically was like singing thing. Um, and I would do Christian music. Even though most people, I don't think anyone did, um, and like Via Dolorosa and mm-hmm. stuff. But um, I mean, ever since I was very young, I feel like God's given me wisdom into His Word. Yeah. And just like as I I grow older, the same verses become clear and clear mm-hmm. and solidified. And you know, it's just a moment by moment thing. Yeah. Every day, and it's just like when you were just reading um, from his word. It's just the peace that comes with his word just when you start reading it. yeah. It really, it doesn't matter where it is. It's just because it's alive and it's active. It's like right. a double-edged sword and it pierces. And right, it's right. like our soul when we read it. And so, just that's what he's done for me all the time is that, you know, everywhere you go you want to always, always be reading his word because he will always show you where to go and you know I'm just learning a lot more about people too you know sometimes they like overhear people like who are really upset or something and like the other day I just gave this lady a note an encouraging note and like told her that Jesus loved her and she like almost started crying yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know they her. just need to know right like, yeah she was very let's say I don't know it wouldn't be the easiest to approach someone but um What's the small C calling to God? In the oh, person? for me? Um, <laughs> well, I want to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not really sure. Sometimes I'm like not sure if that's where I'm supposed to be. So I just I just ask God, you know, if that's where he wants me to continue, like with my classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's working yeah. well the way he wants it to be. Yeah, I think it's interesting because just even going back to some of the verses, I don't know if, are you, is this still a kind of journaling culture? Do people write stuff down? Bullet journals or whatever journals that people use now? Only, yeah, right, 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 right. That's not true. That's not true. But I would, if you get a, but if you do get a word from the Lord, I, I do think it's really important to write those down because I've noticed that when it's a time to, it's time for these um, places of uh, transition or decision-making. A lot of times you can look back at those journals and see, oh my gosh, there's been this thread that God's been trying to tell me or communicate to me through some of these scriptures. So 
even if you were to just open scripture and pull something out, I tell my students, you got to write that down. It could be, maybe it doesn't make sense for you right now, but it's important to write that down and see how God can keep speaking to you through that. I think um, godly counsel, when we're trying to figure out our vocation, like what are the people around me that love me? What are they saying? What do they know about me? Uh, what are they encouraging me to do? Um, what is scripture saying? And I actually do think that at your age, <laughs> you should just try stuff. <laughs> right? Nothing illicit. Right? But um, the 20s and even the early th- 30s, I think, too, are just all about trying things and see what fits and see what works. It's so it's so funny to me when I see these college grads who are so stressed out about what do I what am I gonna do? What do I? And we were all there, but now I could see, you know, and I, you sound like an old person kind of saying that, but like you have so much time ahead of you, and I think the joy is in the experimenting and finding out like does this fit? Does this work? Okay, it does it. Well, you know, let me try this, and then I think in the same way that the, when you write down the scripture in your journal, you're gonna see this thread of like okay. I think God is moving me here, but I would never do anything outside of uh, community. Always do, you know, talk to people, pray, write things things down, try stuff in community. Everyone in my family has always has done everything you're not supposed to do. And, <laughs> and my grandma grew up in a, grew up Christian and everything, very, you know, grew up in the Assemblies of God, all that stuff. And she's never done what a lot of other families I know do, which is, you know, oh, you did something bad, kick you out. Oh, you, you know, and my family members, they're in their 30s and 40s still making these same mistakes, but my grandma's still their grandma. And, you know, she's still, she's never gotten rid of her family, even you know, into married into the family. So that's always been very inspirational to me. But the whole chapter six, love your enemies thing, that's always been everywhere I go. Me with all my friends, everyone I ever meet. People think it's, I've had friends tell me they think it's weird that I'm a Christian, yet I'll hang out with people who don't do very Christian things. (laughs) But I'm still a Christian, you know, I'll tell them, no, I'm okay, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, I don't care. You know, you're going to do it. I can't tell you not to. <laughs> you know, but I'm just not going to do it. You know, anything like that. But they'll, they're okay that I don't, like, judge them for things. Sure. I don't, I'm very forgiving. I still, you know, and everyone's always found that very weird because of all these people that, you know, grew up in all these very judgmental church lives and think, you know, oh, well, if you're not doing this, then it sucks to be you. You're not going to go to heaven. It's certainly part of the big C following Jesus, right? <laughs> Wherever that's the call to to forgive and to love. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think just one thing just to kind of wrap up what Christine said in terms of uh, trying, try everything, right? And, and take, take risks. 
Um, that doesn't make sense if you don't have a theology that there's a graceful, loving God that, that holds you by his hand. If we don't have that theology that there's a graceful, loving God that holds us by his hand, don't try anything. Don't take any risks. Do only the safe path. Only look out for right, me and my three, us four and no more. That's it. That's a lot, that's a lot of Christians' theology. On, I'm just being real. There's a lot of believers that, that have a very, I think, a very fearful protective mentality, right? If you understand God's goodness and his grace and his love and his forgiveness and his compassion, you can step out in loving people in risky, crazy ways, right? You can, you can, you can try new ministries. You can say, you know, I think God like put this crazy thought on my heart to really go and, and, and serve these kids that are excluded, right? Or, you know, this this person that's always being taunted at my school or this coworker that is really, really difficult, um, I think that might be, right, this is going to be risky. It's going to be hard. Um, but I know that there's a God who's, who has me, who, who's providing. Do you understand that? I mean, just it's a simple thing. But if we really believe God's character and his goodness, then, then we move into boldness. We move into taking greater risks um, for his kingdom, right? Because we're putting his kingdom first. We're seeking his kingdom first. And his righteousness. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is that, Christy, you you are still doing what your little C was twenty years ago. And that is still fulfilling you and you know that that's where God wants you. And Brian, you had a funeral this week, haven't you? And so what I love about that is that's that's just a picture of what God does. It's fascinating to how it dovetails because I feel like I get to help I get to help raise up college students from these churches. I get to partner with churches and parents. I always tell parents that I'm taking your kids. We're going to we're going to take care of them while they're in college and we're going to raise up world changers for the gospel. And then they end up working with him. <laughs> At we I had some so we I have I work I'm all about restoring communities and making sure that folks that aren't in the room are in the room, right? So we have these groups, you know, if you choose to be a part of them, we have a multi-ethnic fellowship, there's a international, there's black student fellowship, there's La Fe for Latino students, we have an Asian American, like whatever it takes, right, to get folks in the kingdom. And so we'll, we get to have them and we're working with them and they get all on fire for the gospel and for what God's doing on campus and beyond and justice issues. And then they hear about ACT, Area Congregations Together, or the Greenhouse, and our ministries collide, you know, and we're talking about the same people. He has some Sac State University grads that are working for him now, and we've had some Davis grads that I had before. So, again, these different paths, and yet we're always looking for these opportunities to work together, and God just lets us share these alum and these students. And many other ministries and many other work settings like like nursing, right, and, and pressing into that as a ministry, teaching as a ministry, accounting as a ministry, right? I mean, there's engineering. Like, I knew people that were, like, I was, I was not meant to be an engineer. I knew people that were meant to be an engineer. And like, okay, in my vacation time, I'm going to take my engineering skills. I'm going to part with this ministry, and we're going to do clean water and build wells, innovative stuff, crazy design stuff in, in Africa, right? So you're applying. So I just think it's the sense of, like, 
being radical, like being radicalized for Jesus in every setting that you find yourself, right? Because I also don't want to give the message that you're only following Jesus if you're doing the whatever, working directly with people or with kids, or you're in full-time ministry in X, right? That's just not helpful either. That also, I think, uh, denies that there's all kinds of different gifts that God can use. But I think it's just really knowing how you're wired and what voices are you listening to. If you're in your current career and in your current path, is it because you really know that God's called you there and put you there? Or is it because you're just responding to mom and dad and they told you to do that? Or you're, you know, responding to some other voices in the culture? Like, just really know why you're doing what you're doing and really be true to that. And then there's just going to be a lot of joy that's going to come along with that. I just want to just... Yeah. Yeah, we have some grants, but yeah, mostly it's it's individual donors that give, and we do a big annual fundraiser and stuff too. But so if nobody's working, if nobody's making money, right, you can't do. There's right. nobody to support people right. that do what you right. do, but do it randomly. Right, and hopefully those folks are doing ministry in their workplaces, and you know, as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna wrap up actually with an opportunity I wanted to lay out for you guys. If you just give me a few more minutes here. Um, we're actually starting a 10-month discipleship program um, this, like, next month. Um, but we're also, we're doing a pilot year starting next month, and we're doing another round of it starting next summer. Um, this is for folks that are really sensing a call into ministry, actually. And it's actually in, a, in an urban context. So it's partnering with a church that's in Meadowview that has 90% folks from Meadowview that are in that church. They're starting... Uh, youth ministry, they're starting, you know, building up their children's ministry. So there's an active serving component partnering with this church, doing ministry, hands-on ministry, right? And uh, weekly, something similar to this, right? It's really around formation. It's doing Bible study together. It's doing teaching together. It's really growing in God's word and having people really invest in you in that discernment process. So just, it, it might be a good fit. It might not be a good fit. There is a little bit of a paid stipend we were able to raise. So it's not a lot, like 150 to 200 bucks a month, right? But just to really value that time that you're giving. Um, so I just have some information about it. If this is something that might be a good fit for you, there's actually applications downstairs. Um, but if you have ever really had a call around, especially cross-cultural ministry and ministry more, more towards low-income communities, whether that might be right teaching in some urban schools or... What we're really seeing and what it's shown is that if you really invest in people on the front end in their own formation and their own their own form of their character of their faith in Christ, then you're getting these teachers, these nonprofit leaders, these ministers that are serving 20 to 30 to 40 years versus what you probably see sometimes is two to three years burnout. I'm out of here. Right. That was great. 50 percent turnover. Right. There's a guy in our church that's been serving at Valley High School for 20 years. He leads Bible study with the kids. He's seen principals come and go. He is an anchor and it's because of Jesus. <laughs> right. And he just loves the kids. So Brian, what's your time commitment to this 
so it's it's right it's uh very that's a good question uh it's a 10 hour a week time commitment right so it's uh, like a planning meeting with with this ministry during the week some time on sunday there's this evening thing that's right now it's on thursdays that that might switch um so but we're willing to work with people's schedules we're just trying to get off the ground um so it's myself is going to be kind of the director of it we actually have a guy who's the he was principal of the year for sac city one time he was a principal at um, under saint hope schools uh, ps7 he actually founded ps7 he's amazing so he's going to come in and do some instruction so we have a really great um, team of folks that are going to come and do this so yeah you want to pass this around I grew up, uh, I would totally, I, 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 I wouldn't like it, but, and I, but I, would still, I would still do it by giving out copies, um, scan codes. We scan the modern cell phones, look at the new kids' modern cell phones, scan the hit movie, so you watch it on your cell phones. Let's, uh, keep, let's keep it to the topic, right? Because yeah. we're, we're talking about this uh, new ministry they're starting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, oh, I, 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 yeah the children, I, I love the kids. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I want, I want to help the kids. Who, who's, who's the, the, the pastor? I'm, I'm sorry, the, the one that you just mentioned. Uh, his name's Harinder Pagani. Um, what school? Are you at Seoul? Yeah, we're Jumpstart Program. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I'm supporting that staff team. That's funny. What a jumpstart people. So, and one of the things we're actually trying to get more volunteers of that school to help out. So, so people that are participating there are going to be in the classrooms one day a week. Yep. That would be awesome. That's the school we're at. That's the school we're at. Yeah. So, um, thank you. I think we're at our, at time. Um, if you guys have questions for me about this, if you're interested, I do have my email on the back of it. And there's, if you want an application, there is an application downstairs on the table that I left. Um, <laughs> we are we do have a September 30th application deadline it's our first deadline so that is coming up so you know if you think about it if God's really moving on your heart uh, we're going to see how many we're trying to get um, at four to six folks for this first round so it's going to be kind of a smaller crew and try to grow that out so to the next year from wherever, where, where would they arrive where would they go to is there a go to place at this point of like for the meeting place meeting place or so it's, it's all based around New Hope Community Church. It's right in the middle of Meadowview Boulevard. It's this super multi-ethnic church. It's, it's an amazing church. It has like, like Baptist roots, but now it's like a community church. Amazing pastor, um, great kids ministry. So they're going to start an elderly ministry as well. So they're really looking for kind of an infusion of young interns, right, to come and help come alongside them. But there's all this training and formation we're doing with you guys at the same time. Pastor Daniel Wong. If you remember, there's actually a lot of uh, Asian American churches in that area that as the community was changing, almost all those churches left and they stayed. And they said, we're committed to this neighborhood and we're going to love this neighborhood. And they, it's, it re really reflects the neighborhood. It's amazing. Yeah. So like it's closer to the five, probably closer to the five. Um, to five they have a big parking lot they have basketball courts yeah great thank you guys thank you bless you thank you so much